Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Welcome back to A Celtic State of Mind. It's Monday afternoon. I'm Paul John Dykes. And today I am delighted to be joined by Colin Watt and Natasha Miko. Natasha, you were at the game yesterday. Colin, did you manage to get a ticket, mate? Sorry, I didn't ask. No, no. We'll come to you first then, Natasha. Talk us through your Tanadice experience yesterday. Tanadice experience. Uh, It was cold for a start. Can we start with that? It was freezing as it always seems to be in Dundee. But yeah, a great three points. Um, to be honest, it was a game that I felt was never really in doubt. You know, you just felt like you were going to get it over the line. There was some sort of, I don't know, the atmosphere, the understanding that it was just going to come off for us um, yesterday evening, I suppose. And yeah, no, it was a, a good place to go and pick up the three points. That I still like us to be more clinical. I think there was a lot of good football, a, a lot of great possession, but I would like to see us score more goals from that. And we can come on to it. There's a few really standout performances. Um but, yeah, no, when you go away to Candice and pick up a relatively comfortable three-point shoot, you can't really complain. And a couple of things, you know, comments from it are that I thought the team could possibly be our strongest lineup available to us at the moment. 
Um, I thought the starting lineup, you absolutely could not have argued with that. But then for me, it was when you turned to the bench. Again, I don't know, that's possibly the strongest bench I've ever seen us have. You know, just looking at it again, it was Bain, Haxabanovich, Turnbull, Kobayashi, Oh, Awata, O'Reilly, Maeda, Forrest. Those players walk into the starting eleven for yeah. any other team. So again, it highlights the five sub rule really working for Celtic. We have that quality and depth that you can bring players with that capability on in the second half. So for me, great performance. Good to see the team back to full strength and yeah, good three points. No, Natasha, how is the, the policing outside the ground? That's always one of the things I've noticed when you go to Tanadis is they don't have any idea on how to control the, the fan base when they go there. The turnstile system is terrible. The, the queuing, yeah. the kettling of the fans. What was it like yesterday? We went in pretty early to manage to avoid it, but by all reports, it wasn't great. Um, and I'll, I'll send over the picture into the group channel, maybe post it up on Twitter about the policing inside the stadium, which was just ridiculous. It was just so over the top. You can hardly see the game for the rows of police. So, what are they expecting, every, Natasha? Every what are they expecting the Celtic fans to do? Riot remember, because we're only time, nine points ahead. Every time we go there, Paul, it's the same. It's always the same. I remember going to a game last season and uh, you're coming down. Oh, Natasha's left us. Um, you're coming down in towards the stadium and you're kettled in and you've got to go fit between the way that they've lined up the horses, the horses are facing kind of each other and you've got to go in the middle of the two of them. And hmm. it's absolutely shocking the amount of times they take a support there. You'd think that they'd know how to properly handle it. I've seen people crawling under police cars, under other things just to avoid being crushed. It's always the same when we go to Tanadice. I'm not surprised that there was more trouble yesterday. It's poor. It really is poor because, um, as I was saying, what exactly are they expecting from the Celtic support? You know, um, I understand there needs to be a police presence. Uh, I also know that, you know, leading up to that fateful evening when Neil Lennon and Alan McCoyst had handbags at dawn, there had been a lot of talk about um, non-policed football games in Scotland. I mean, it's something that's successful elsewhere. Um, but obviously that um, has never really come to fruition, especially with the Category A games. Colin, but yeah. there's a way to police a football game. Um, and you've got to show the, the crowds of people the respect they deserve as paying customers. Um, so that's unfortunate to hear. Are you recovered all right there? Is that the, the cold just getting out your system, oh, good. Natasha? Oh, good. Yeah, I did mention how cold Dundee was. So if I do sound a bit choked, then that is absolutely why I'm blaming that. But um, yeah, sorry just to drop off there. But back, yeah, you probably were talking about the last comments and the policing issues and things like that. I don't know, you'll both have sort of sat in the, the Jerry Kerr stand, which isn't the greatest view anyway, but when you do have two lines of policing and stewards in front of the first few rows, you're cutting off the touchline and have to pitch. Mm-hmm. And again, they, they really don't care. And if they are challenged on it like they were at the game, that that's just treated negatively from them. So yeah. it's not always great. It's definitely overzealous. So well, the thing is, Colin... It seems to be in Scottish football, I can't speak for um, England or where else because I don't go to those <coughs> games, but in Scottish football, uh, every single turn, they try their hardest to switch us off as fans. I'm not talking about Celtic here, I'm just talking about the authorities. Um, be that they match the experience to uh, away the experiences to the way that you're pleased. Um, and it's something, again, that, you know, 
we've got to be vocal about it. I know that the uh, North Curve Twitter page continually is vocal about it, and you've got to be and spread the words. Now, um, Natasha said earlier on there was a few individual performances last night that uh, we can analyse, we can look at. I think it's only fair to, to pinpoint Callum McGregor first off uh, for his part. And the words Ange was using about um, Callum as a player as well, we are pre- all pretty privileged yeah. to share a dressing room with him. Colin, 400 appearances. Um, he's a guy that when fit plays. Uh, some had their doubts about him being captain material, and I've got to admit I was one of them. Remember, I'm, I was calling for Chris Iyer to be the captain. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and he's the type of player I've said quite a few times this season. Often after the game, we don't discuss him because his performances are so consistent. But he's a guy that could have left the building for now with a whimper at the age of 20 years of age. And he is turning into what Ange calls a Celtic legend. Uh, what do you make of his performances and his week-in, week-out performances as captain? He is Mr. Consistent, isn't he? He's always there. He's always leading the team. He's always um, always puts a shift in. To think, I think he is an example to the, the youth team that you can go out there, you can get that experience and you can come back and make it at Celtic. You've got to take the opportunities that are um, given to you. Um, to be fair to him, as you say, there's been some times where he's been sort of written off. I remember the, the COVID season, he was pretty much written off for his performances. Um, and then he came back and showed exactly what he can do. And... Um, I always preferred him as a, a kind of further forward player. I always think he's someone who has probably got the best left foot shot in the league. Um, he always seems to kind of score from the edge of the area. He's got a great uh, ability to do that. But he's also shown that he can be that sort of link-up player as well, fitting in where the Scott Brown role has um, has opened up for him, picking up in the defence, linking up the play. Um, and yeah, he is someone who leads the team very, very well and he is someone who you can see the players um, definitely look up to him and Andrew's comments yesterday about how he basically doesn't go into the changing room at Lennox Town, he just lets Callum McGregor do it, that's that's a sign of someone who's very well respected at the club and it's important mm-hmm. that we continue to, to keep him as long as his performances remain at the level that they are because he's someone that can lead us down this next journey, as we say this is a new chapter in Celtic uh, and it's good to see someone like Callum leading that. See, when you look at him, Natasha, and the fact that when Ange came in, we were going on about the lack of leadership. And a big part of that was obviously the season that we had just witnessed uh, the previous year where we were rudderless. Um, and at the end of the season, we were looking at the fact we'd lost our captain, we'd lost our manager, and we'd lost our CEO. Uh, regardless of what you think of him, it, it was a massive loss to, to have these three heads of department gone out the door. Um, someone had to step up. And Callum McGregor is the man who's done it. How impressed have you been since he took the captain's armband from Bruni? So impressed. That captain's armband has been the absolute making of him. He was already a talented player before, but what he's brought now is this leadership quality that, to be honest, a lot of us didn't know if he had. Um, There was a lot of leaders in that team, even when Scott Brown was the captain, but Callum McGregor wasn't always pinpointed as being one of them that could then step up and take over from Scott Brown when he left. He was the natural choice, but there was debate about whether there would still be a void of losing the leadership of Scott Brown. And we didn't. 
we didn't because Callum McGregor really stepped up and it was like I said, it was absolutely the making of him. You see the impact that he has on the pitch on every single player around about him. And I didn't expect it, but it's been an absolute joy to watch the way he's developed over the last couple of years with that armband. You see the way he is on the pitch constantly talking to every other player on the pitch, constantly guiding them, instructing them. Even um, yesterday at the game, I noticed he was in the middle of the park as Celtic were attacking. Um, a throw was being taken on the right-hand side and Greg Taylor started to move over. And McGregor managed to spot that and tell Taylor exactly where he wanted him to be. So even someone of Greg Taylor's experience and his experience within the camp, McGregor had... The, the vision to to not only be playing his own position, but to be aware of what Greg was doing and dictate Greg to where he wanted him to be instead. So it was for me, we touches like that, that Cal McGregor just does so much of that's so important to the team and to, to everyone round about him. Something that we often used to say about Scott Brown was like, especially towards the latter stages of his captaincy, was like it was having another coach on the pitch. It was like mm-hmm. having one of the backroom team in the middle of the park. And the more and more that McGregor develops into this role, the more I think you can say the same about him. And all credit to him because players like that, with that loyalty and that sort of commitment, are a very, very rare breed now. And it will only get rarer as the world works in the way that it does and players want the transfers that they do and the ambition can often lead them elsewhere. McGregor is one of that dying breed of players who will just be at one club for their whole life. I really do believe that. Um, and what an incredible career that will be for him. He's obviously mm. now reached this this massive milestone. I think he'll rocket up the, the table of appearances for Celtic now. I think Scott Brown ended on 620, was it? Mm, so yeah. again, he's, he's some way off it. But it's definitely catchable, given his age. I think he could do it. Yep. The thing is, Paul, as well, one of the things that um, we said about Brown was uh, when he left, was you were missing that dig in midfield. You are missing someone who was going to put themselves into the, the sort of heavy tackles that Scott Brown put himself into. Think about um, that time up at Pataudry, when he basically walks away from being hit with basically three career-ending tackles the way that they were throwing themselves about that day. Um, and we never really seen Cal McGregor as that type of player. But we don't really need to under this Ange system because the way that we play football and the way that we retain possession, you don't really get yourself into those positions. Before the tackle's there, the pass has been made. You look at the way that Callum and, and Moy and Hatati, they, the way they all play, the, the players can't get near them to put the tackles in and when they do it's a foul mm-hmm. so you don't really miss that dig so much in the league, maybe in Europe you still do um, and that's maybe something you could com- come on to look at is was Awata brought in to play alongside Callum in Europe um, but we can get to that later on but in the league you don't miss it so much because of the changing system so Callum sort of seamlessly took over that role from Scott Brown without ever having to replace the type of player that Scott Brown was. The thing the thing with Bruni, and you're obviously going to be comparing these two players because the captain's um, uh, armband was handed from Scott Brown to Callum McGregor. But Scott Brown, yes, indeed, he's in the, uh, the 500 club that I continually go on about. Only a dozen players have made 500 or more competitive appearances for Celtic. And Bruni is the uh, most recent addition to that particular list. Uh, but we do have two people in our squad who could well make it. And um, obviously McGregor's one of them. And Jamesy Forrest is the other. Uh, he's made quite a few more appearances than Callum McGregor. But 
he's slowed down as the years have kind of caught up with him. McGregor at 29, he's going to be turning 30 this summer, doesn't show any signs of slowing down. Do you think, Natasha, coming in that wee bit later into the Celtic squad's actually benefited him? When you look at, you know, the way that Kieran Tierney's playing time has developed as he's got a wee bit older, he got a lot of games before he was 20. McGregor didn't. He made his debut when he was 21. I think it's also to do with the, I agree with what you've said, I think it's also to do with the position they play in as well. Um, as a winger, speed is going to be an important part of, of Forrest's game, even as a fullback in the way that Celtic and then Arsenal wanted to deploy Tierney. Again, speed is going to be absolutely of the essence. And we saw it in Scott Brown, who did start off as a relatively quick player. And even if you think back to his time at Hibs when he was playing as much more of an attacking player, he was he was quick. You know, he had that sort of speed, that agility that you wouldn't associate with him at the end of his career. But in playing in that sort of position, you are able to slow down a bit more without being found out. You are able to sort of adapt your game into a sort of, you know, more deep-lying midfielder or, you know, one who isn't making the, the runs that Forrest or, or Tierney would have to make. So I think in the position that Forrest finds himself in, age is going to be more of an issue than it is in the position that McGregor plays in. And I think that McGregor's the sort of player that you look at and think, he could have another four or five years left in him quite easily. Mm-hmm. So he's definitely going to rack up those appearances. Forrest, like, I think what he brings to the squad, and Andrew Postacoglu's touched on this before as well, what he brings to the squad in terms of his character, his personality, um, and his experience, that calming, quiet influence on the team, I think is going to be very important. He can step up and he has done when he's needed to. You know, you think about recent games where we've brought him on and he's got himself in amongst the goals and the assists. So still very much able to rely on him, but he's not going to be a, a number one pick over the next few years like Cal McGregor is going to be the first name on your team sheet. Yeah, and I'm looking at his um, trophy hall at the moment, 17. Scott Brown won 22, many of them as a captain, obviously. Uh, quadruple treble helped that total. But at the end of the season, Colin, um, Callum McGregor could be sitting with 20 trophies as a Celtic player. And then you're entering the realms of Bobby Lennox, Billy McNeil territory and James Forrest. So, yeah, an absolute legend. And, yes, I'm not going to use the cliche of the word getting used too often. Callum McGregor's a Celtic legend, simple as that. Um Someone making his first appearance last night was our new signing, Oh, And I know it was a bit of a cameo, Natasha, but what was your thoughts, uh, your first sighting of our new striker? I was impressed. Um, I Obviously, you know, there's very little to to judge him on right now. He didn't get too much of a run out, but he looked big. He looked strong. He looked like he's going to be a real handful for defenders. And he looks like he's going to be a different option to Kyogo. Um and one which we can utilise depending on the opposition that we come up against. So it's great to have those two options there and two players who look like they are going to play slightly differently. Um, but as much as he's, you know, looks big, strong, physical centre forward, he also showed a bit of trickery. You know, he's also looked like he was going to be quite quick with his feet. Um, so mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com Internet for details. It's the Marketer's Report. 
This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Pretty impressed. I thought we got a great ball into the, the box, and I think it was made. I should have, should have buried it. Um, so yeah, for a, a very short cameo, like what I've seen, I look forward to seeing more of them. And there's definitely... If nothing else, there is significant song potential there for sure. Um, so I'm sure that the the usual people will work their magic with that one. Yep, Laura was almost singing a song last night after the game involving O. And the big question for me, Colin, we're just it's a matter of time before we see the confirmation that Yakimakis has left the building. If it happens during this broadcast, I'm sure someone in the comment section will let us know. Are you happy to run with the two strikers? It's a conversation we've had for a few weeks. Some people are of the view that Abada and Maeda, even Haksabanovic, could maybe fill in through the middle. Are you happy to run with Kyogo and O from now to the end of the season? I'd still be looking for a third striker, to be perfectly honest. I was looking for a third striker before the window started. Um, I think you're one injury away from a bit of a kind of disaster in that area, um, especially if it's Kyogo, because... As great as O's kind of cameo was yesterday, we still to see what he can do in a 90-minute game. Um, <clears throat> so I wouldn't be sort of jumping jumping through hoops already if we're, um, if we're going with the two. I'd, I'd still like a third striker, um, whether that be Cho, whether it be uh, someone else. Like, I've seen loads of people saying Nisbet. You're going well. to say Kevin Nisbet there? I, I yeah, knew that was on your I, mind. I, I, don't, I don't think he's the, the, the right option. Um I just think we should we should still be running with a third one. We saw Maeda's obviously been very good since he came back from the World Cup, um, but I still think he suits that wider role. I don't think he's going to get you the goals that um, a Kyogo or a Jakimakis would get as a sort of central figure. Um, a Bada, yeah, he played quite well in one game, uh, and then the other game he was pretty anonymous, so it's hard to judge him on that. Haksavanovic through the middle... Saw what happened when he came on and played uh, against Morton. Um, he, he didn't really get himself into the game. Mm-hmm. He probably needs a run of games to to do so. Um, so I still think we need a, a third striker. Um, and the sooner we get one in, the better, to be perfectly honest. I wouldn't want to wait until the summer to do that because this time next year we're in a position where we could be looking at Kyogo and all both being away at the Asian Cup. So what do we do then? We've got someone who's maybe only been in for a couple of months, it's only played a couple of games. May as well look at getting someone in now and giving them a full year, seeing what they can get, push the strikers ahead of them as well. And that person could be Cho, which doesn't really solve that <laughs> <Well>. issue. <laughs> Would you do, do you subscribe to that, Natasha, bringing in a, a, another striker before the transfer window closes? 
I can't see it happening, if I'm honest, but I do agree with Colin that I think I would have preferred it to. I think even before we knew the situation with Giacomacchus, before the speculation was that he would be leaving, which it looks very much like he is, I think we would still have liked another striker in the door. Like Colin's touched on, if Kyogo gets injured now, we're going to have to face the rest of this season with our striking option being, oh, who has played a matter of minutes so far today. Um, and that doesn't fill me with confidence. I'm sure he will absolutely come on and prove to be a, a very good striker, but we don't know that yet. Um, and yes, we have other players who can fill in in that position, but a club with our resource shouldn't have to rely on that. We shouldn't be one striker injury away from having to play a midfielder at centre-forward. We should be in a more comfortable position than that, and I would be in a lot more feel a lot more comfortable if we had an additional striker. One of the things we talked about, sort of leading up to the the World Cup break, if you like, is that we just weren't quite clinical enough. We were creating a lot of chances. We weren't scoring the number of goals we should have been. Something that Ange acknowledged as well, and that sort of you know led a lot of people to believe, okay, we need to go out there and we need to find a a clinical striker to to come in and, and help with this. And maybe it is all. But he's a replacement for Jack Marcus, it looks like, who's going out the door. So we haven't really bolstered our options up top. We've really had a sort of replacement rather than an addition. So would have preferred to see an addition. I think now it's more likely to be the summer than January. But we're we're still, like we touched on, look at, look at the squad that we've got available to us. You know, we're mm-hmm. in a very lucky position that not having a, a third choice striker is, is one of our, our concerns. And it's it's going to be hard to find as well. You know, we've talked about that on the show previously. If you're making an appeal to a quality striker to come to the club at the moment, not many quality strikers are going to take the, OK, you'll probably be third choice. and You're going to have to take the shirt of Kyogo and you'll be competing with O. And that's a very hard sell to a lot of players, especially strikers who thrive on game time. They thrive on game time. They thrive on goal scoring. And if you're coming into a squad who already has a very established striker in Kyogo, who's just spent money on bringing another striker in, coming in to be a third choice is not an appealing prospect for a lot of strikers. So that's going to limit who you're actually able to get in. So it's not an easy market to be to be fishing in. Third striker is not an easy position to fill. So I think it is likely to be one for the summer. Yeah, and you'll be looking as well, Colin, for a player, unlike Yakamakis, who I like, a player who can play more than one position. Yakamakis mm-hmm. didn't have that versatility, did he? No, no, he was kind of your, your big target man. That's, that's the thing, it's kind of someone we'd been crying out for for a while was someone who would give us that different option, especially away from home uh, in Europe. And we had him for about 18 months and now he wants to, he wants to leave and we can talk about the fee all we want, but the fees, the fees, what we're going to get. Um, top goal scorer last season, we're losing. Mm-hmm. That's something to remember. Yeah, he's not had a great run this year, but I still think that it's frustrating not having that sort of third choice. We saw what happened when uh, both players were injured last year. Um, it is possible with the amount of games that we play that we will be in that position again. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, Kyogo's shown that as great as he is, he, he is liable to pick up an injury. Um, with the amount of running that we do, with the amount of um, games that we play, hamstring injuries will come into it. The, the, I'd like to see, as Natasha says, us using our resources to bring someone in, um, whether that be the fact that it's a, a third choice, as they say, um, striker, or someone who 
actually thinks, do you know what? I could come in now and they've only just brought another striker in. So who's to say I'm third choice? Mm-hmm. Who's to say that I'm not going to get the game time? Mm-hmm. They come in and they actually show that ambition to try and get that jersey and to be the, the number ones. That's the kind of players you can see Ange going for. As someone who doesn't believe that the player in front of them is going to keep them out of the team, mm-hmm. believes that they can be better, show, show that they're better than them and get them in there. Even the young players coming through, and I've seen a couple of people in the comment section saying, taking a look at the uh, the B team, I, I, apart from Joey Dawson, who's stepped up once, I can't really see anybody making that move up there. And the thing about Dawson that's quite concerning, if you follow the B team, is he doesn't start every game. Mm-hmm. He's not the kind of number one go-to striker for the B team. So I think he's... I think yeah, he, he's acknowledged the fact, Colin, that we're we're not in a position at the moment where the B team is going to be a situation where we can pick a player out and put them straight in. And I know Vata and Lawal have made their debuts this season. Joey Dawson made his debut last season. Owen Moffat made his debut last season. He's gone. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that, you know, he's acknowledging the fact that we're maybe, he says, six to 12 months away from that situation where you can trust a player to come into the side from the B team. But in the meantime, I think it would be uh, a desirable to have a third. If we go into the second half of the season without a third striker, I think we'll be okay, even due to the fact that we're, we're chasing a treble here. Um, I want to bring in some of the comments coming in from the viewers. We have Les Paul styled, happy Monday, people. I like the positivity. Happy Monday indeed. And we've also got Kevin Mullen. Happy Monday, Axel. Nine points clear and I'm away for a beer. What time is it, Natasha? That's impressive. It's not even one o'clock in the afternoon. Although you might be somewhere else on the planet. It might be night time where Kevin is. I'm not going to give you our time, mate. Go for a beer. Enjoy it. Keith Oakden is uh, hello from Plymouth as per. It's always great to hear from you. And some of the other regulars, the Killing Moon, Paddy Lavery is also in there. Jungle Line makes a good point that the squad is hitting form. And I, I said a few times uh, this season, Natasha, that when that happens, when everything clicks, we are a scary prospect. So if you've got, and I don't even think every one of them, because last <coughs> night, you know, I don't think Abada had his best game, for example, but I'm not going to criticise him for it. Um, but when everybody clicks, you get a situation where Matt O'Reilly can't get a game. And that's where we are at this moment in time. Enough players are hitting the peak of their form at the right time, aren't they? Well, that's it. And that's what, you know, we sort of touched on at the, at the top of the show. Look at that bench. Look at the people that aren't able to make the starting 11 because the players ahead of them are so good. And like we said, any other team in the league would be lucky to have the people that we had to leave sitting on our bench. And can you just imagine being a fullback and you spent the game going up against players like Abada and Jota and you're tired because you've been chasing them so much and there's 20 minutes to go and you look at the side of the pitch and Celtic are bringing on players like Maeda and Haksabanovic. That's got to be demoralising because they come on and they've got just as much energy because they're trying to prove that they should be in the starting position before players like Abada and Jota. So when we do have all these players vying for limited positions and they all do have such good quality, it can only be good for the team performance and that's what we're seeing. One of the players I mentioned there, Haksibanovic, I thought he looked really bright when he came on. Um, despite the way that, yes, Dundee United were tiring a bit, I thought that he really seemed to be playing very directly. He was getting some good space. He liked taking a man on. He had that sort of ambition, got some really good balls into the box. And I like to see that. And again, it's a player who, you know, had been coming back from injury. There are a lot of players in his position who are playing very well. And he came on and thought, I need to show what I've got here. And he really sort of grasped that opportunity. So again, we are 
spoiled for choice in a number of positions, but what a good position to be in, particularly with the number of games we've got coming up. Aye, for sure. I think when you look at our right wing position, you imagine a situation, Colin, if you're a left back, right, and during, say, 65 minutes of a game, you've faced Abada and Jota already because there's been a switcheroo at some point, or Abada and Maeda, and then James Forrest or Abada. I mean, it, it would be your worst nightmare as a fullback. But on the subject of fullbacks, before we get stuck right into just how amazing Aaron Moy is, um, the right back at Dundee United, Liam Smith, was involved in the first VAR decision. And we're going to we're gonna have to speak about it. I'm sorry. Um, somebody posted last night in the comments section, VR the people. And it's starting to, to, to get to the point where you're starting to look at bias and all this kind of stuff on a weekly basis. Um, and it's still a shambolic situation that we're in, but we will have a look at the two um, decisions. Now, Liam Smith was involved in the first one with Kyogo and the Dundee United goalkeeper. And Laura actually pointed out last night, everybody was focused on what the goalie did. But Liam Smith barged Kyogo as well, and it was a, something of a coming together like a sandwich, um, Colin. Now, interestingly enough, Liam Smith is a player whose career I've been following quite closely because when we were shot on Tuesday night at the Sevens, Liam Smith's old man, Andy, used to bring Liam along as a 14-year-old or whatever, and he showed us all up, all us old geezers up. Um, he swiftly got signed with Hearts. Uh, he had a spell at air and he stepped back up at Dundee United. I always think he fares pretty well against Celtic and Rangers. Uh, but he was involved in that first one. Colin, talk us through it. You'll have had the benefit of watching it time and time again. What was your take on that first penalty shout? I didn't think it was a penalty, personally. Um, I can understand the argument on both sides. Um, for me, if that's my goalkeeper, that's exactly what I want to see him doing. Coming out, commanding his area. Um, we always say... That the unfortunate thing about goalkeepers is when they come out, they can potentially take the man as well as the ball. Mm. Um, I don't think it was malicious that he was coming out to um, catch Kyogo deliberately. I do think he was just trying to get the ball. The thing with Smith, I think you see a bit of that jostling quite a bit in the penalty area. Um, if it was only that, it'd probably be quite soft. Um, I can understand why... It wouldn't be given. However, it comes down to what VER is. And VER is meant to be that it can only change a clear and obvious error. Now, the fact that you can dispute that penalty, to me, suggests it's not clear and obvious in the first place. Mm -hmm. So, should it have been changed? Probably not. Is it a penalty if it's not given? Probably not. But the way that some of the pundits were reacting last night, it was as if it was the, the best decision Willie Collum, not even Willie Collum, sorry, Don Robertson they'd ever made. We'll get to Willie Collum maybe later. Um, it was the best decision he'd ever made. In fact, Petrov described it as the perfect example of VER. And I'm, I'm not 100% certain on that. No, I'm not sure myself on that. Natasha, I mean, it did divide the opinion last night. I could see it in the comments. Some thought it was or wasn't a penalty. Um, but I think Colin makes a good point. Was there a clear and obvious error in the, the referee's decision? I don't think there was. No, there wasn't. Um, I think if I had to come down on one side of the fence, because I think it is a borderline one. I think it is, you know, football is very subjective. We need to remember that when we're talking about these VAR rulings. It can be a very subjective game. And this one, I think, is right on the borderline. For me, not a penalty. 
the keeper has the right to come and get the ball. If that's coming into Joe Hart's area like that, I want him to be going out and commanding it and getting some contact on the ball. And the Dundee United keeper did that. He gets his right hand on the ball. Does his left one catch Kyogo first? Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I think it's very, very hard to tell, but he definitely gets a big right hand on the ball. Um, so there is scope for saying it's not a penalty. He comes out, gets the ball. Whatever. As Collins pointed out, whether this is a borderline decision or not, the fact that it's a borderline decision is what's so key here. There is no clear and obvious error in the decision that the referee has made to award the penalty. So that shouldn't have went to a VAR check to overturn the decision. Again, all it's doing is hampering the fan experience, it's hampering player experience. Um, and, to be, you know, we, we did this last Monday as well, and you guys will feel exactly the same, the comments will feel the same. It's just boring and frustrating that every week we have to come on here and talk about VAR again. Um, and I think the problem with it, as we we're all sort of touching on it, is, is kind of twofold. I think it's one, it's the interpretation of the rules and the consistency of the application of those rules. And the second part is just refereeing incompetence. So, you know, firstly, the rules are being interpreted differently in every game, leading to inconsistent decision making. So that's either an issue of, in terms of what they're being taught or how they're applying it or it's incompetence and they aren't capable of knowing the rules and applying them properly. And if it's the latter, which I think it is, I don't think you can expect a system like VER to run efficiently when the people running it aren't capable of running it efficiently. And until you can do that, like Colin said last week, we shouldn't be using it because no. like, it's killing fan experience. It, the managers and the players hate it. And without the people able to run it, it is going to fail like we're seeing time and time again. And we're not going to get people capable of making it work overnight. And we're not investing enough to make sure that the people we have are getting trained properly to run it. So every week we're going to find ourselves back here talking about the, the same issues unless something changes. You know, the thing, Natasha, twice already in the first half an hour of the show, we're speaking about things that are affecting the fan experience. First mm-hmm. was the treatment of fans by the police at Tanadice. And then secondly, this ongoing issue with VAR. I suggested last night, and I think this comes down to cost, um, I, I suggested that we no longer have the VAR referees that we're using. We should definitely tap into a different pool of some league who has used it for a period of time and who is using it competently. Mm-hmm. I mean, Kevin McCluskey last night says that there's very few issues with it in Hungarian football. Um, and just spoken about you know where he's used it previously and there's been no issues with it. And I think that the issue that we've got is the fact that you know, we've got this technology and we, we don't use it properly. So I think maybe we should look at the way we're using it. And even if that means that uh, it costs money, then it's money that would be well spent. When you're talking about a clear and, and obvious error, the referee made a clear and obvious error with the second one, Colin. And mm-hmm. it goes to Van and it's overturned. I, I'm absolutely astonished that he made the error because it was the clearest penalty that you'll ever see. 
But then why didn't Kieran Freeman get a red card? He was already on a booking. That's a deliberate handball. Absolutely. Uh, that's the the thing. We can, we can say that they go and use the VAR and they use it correctly at times, but they still don't seem to fully grasp the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that is uh, it's a deliberate handball. He sticks his arm out. So if it's deliberate, you've given the penalty. You've given the penalty, you book the player. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter if it means that it's a second yellow. Would he have got a yellow card if he wasn't on one? I think he probably would have. I think the reason he didn't get it is because he knew it was going to send them off. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that should be taken into account. Uh, but it does seem as though, especially in Scottish football, that referees become more lenient when they think it could potentially change the, the sort of outcome of a game or ruin a game to an extent, um, whether it be that you're 5-0 up against a team and you get one minute added on time when there's been 10 substitutions and yeah. um, everything else, or um, decisions like yesterday where Celtic were going to go 2-0 up and they thought, oh, if I make it down to 10 men, then that's it. It could be a, a walkover. We don't fully referee the game the way that we should. The rules are not always followed. Uh, I mean, how many times have you seen all these? I mean, even the first half yesterday. The first half, that VAR decision took about three, four, five minutes. And it cut into the injury time. Mm-hmm. And there was only three minutes added. We played an extra 45 seconds for it. Things like that. Mm-hmm. Referees should be judged on stuff like that. When it's got to be applied correctly. Yeah. Yeah, when that. they're not following the rules of the game. So someone like that yesterday making that um mistake, then what happens to them? They'll go and they'll get a game midweek somewhere else. They'll maybe go and take the Aberdeen St. Mirren game and then they'll come back in a couple of weeks' time and take a Celtic game again. Yeah, nothing no, will change, Colin. No, there's there's no sort of reward system for being a good referee. Just have we got good referees? That's that's probably the, the main question. I saw today um, there was a former grade one referee came out and said that Willie Collum should now retire. He's past his best performances. He's past his best. I think mm-hmm. there's quite a few referees in Scotland that are past their best, despite how young or old they may be. But it's easy enough to kind of a drive for a new, you know, tranche of referees and put them through the up-to-date training and we could have a new generation of refs should they desire to do that and improve it. Joe Hamilton says another three points in spite of what we are facing. Every team that plays against us gets that penalty. If our club doesn't make a stand and take this to UEFA, we will lose Ange due to this. Ange has spoken out. Um, he's saying that he's no longer talking about it, Natasha. But what he is talking about is the guy who scored the penalty um, set up the opening goal, got man of the match. It's Aaron Moy, a man who was written off by many Celtic fans. Um, and he, I am going to put it out there, has shown the form of his life under Ange. How impressed have you been? Oh, I could spend all day talking about how impressed I've been with, with Aaron Moy and I'm really glad that he has managed to, to win over any doubters that he had after his, his first, you know, 15-minute cameo appearance he made at Celtic Park. And again, just another really, really great game for him. He showed his quality in the middle of the park. He seemed to be able to find some really good space between the full-backs and the centre-backs. And his ability to pick out a pass is really helping us cut through teams who sit so deep against us, which so many do. And his accuracy and range of passing is, I think, quite unique to our team and something that's helped us 
hugely over the last few games. You know, in his last nine league starts, that's been eight goals and assists. Um, so he is massively important to our team over recent months. And I think that will actually continue. And it's a strange thing to say given his age, but I do think he's genuinely going to keep getting better um, for us over the course of this season. You need to remember that he hadn't played a lot of football over the period just before joining us. Mm -hmm. So he's always going to take time to get up to speed. Now he's getting up to speed. He's had that World Cup under his belt. He's really finding his groove. I think he's only going to get better as the season goes on. And he's already been absolutely fantastic. So I'm excited to see where this goes. He's, you know, in the form that he's in at the moment, he's making a, a late bid for, for player of the season. But if he continues as he as he is, he's certainly going to be player of the second half of the season because I think he's been, a, I think he's been absolutely outstanding. His form since that World Cup, Colin, has been outstanding. And when you look at the fact that Matt O'Reilly was getting a wee bit of stick, I've got to say, people mm -hmm. saying he was off form. But you look at what Matt O'Reilly did when he had to fill in for Callum McGregor. I thought that, you know, it showed you his versatility. So over the piece, over the entirety of the season, I don't think he was having a particularly bad time. But when the player that comes in is Aaron Moy and he plays the way that he has been playing, you've got, going back to one of the first points, you've got Matt O'Reilly on the bench and it just improves that quality. But Moy on this form is undroppable. I mean, that mm -hmm. pass that, that uh, opened the scoring with, with uh, Jota scoring at the back post, that was an unbelievable cross. Unbelievable, mm -hmm. Colin. I mean, what's he done for you? Has he changed your mind? Has he strengthened what you already knew of him? And like Natasha says, do you think that if he sticks to this form, he could end up as a contender for player of the year? He's definitely changed my mind. Um, when he signed, I wasn't overly convinced he would be that useful an addition to the squad. Um, mostly because he had been sort of in what you would class as a retirement league for uh, quite a while. Um, but his performances since he came in, as you say, that 15-minute cameo he had, I think it was in a friendly against Norwich. I mean, a lot of people sort of wrote him off from then, but he's just grown in stature. He probably wasn't ready to play that game, but Andrew's just given him the experience of playing at Celtic Park. Um, I think when you take a look at it, over the course of the last sort of three, four months, he has really, really improved. And um, I said, I've said multiple times now, I think one of the reasons that we didn't have our best performance at Ibrox is because Moy wasn't in the team. Yeah. Um, I would have played Aaron Moy from the start in that game. Yeah. Um, and you saw the difference when he came off the bench. Um as you say, that cross yesterday, as much as we can talk about the cross, how does Jota score from that angle? That is ridiculous. Um, the more you see it, the more you're going, there's like dark arts. It in seems that to defy some sort of laws of physics or gravity or something. I don't know which one. Absolutely. I'm not science-minded, but it defied something. The it only was. person I've seen score from a narrower angle, I think, um, was Stylian Petrov against Stuttgart, maybe? Um, was that a header? Was that a header? That no, was a, a shot from basically like the the, the uh, byline. I've got um, to check that. But it was it was a really impressive performance. Again, he's someone who strolls through a game. Mm -hmm. uh, I won't go into the car makes, but he is someone who strolls through a game of football. He's a Bentley. He's a Bentley. Yeah, he doesn't look as if he. I said an Aston Martin last week. Um, it doesn't look as if he breaks a lot of sweat. He, he doesn't seem as if he's very quick, but he's always there. Um, and it's it's really, really um, 
influential within the team because he's always someone who's looking for the ball. We see a lot of these players when they go into midfield, if they're on the ball, their first thing is, can I get forward and can I pass it to someone else? And then I've done my job. Moy always wants to link up the play. You'll find him yep. all over the pitch. Um, and he's a great uh, player to have in there. His football intelligence as well is up there with some of the best we've got. Um, so, yeah, having him in the team in this kind of form is uh, one of the reasons why we continue on this great run of form that we're on. Another free transfer. And uh, Ange reckons that he's the least surprised of anyone that Moy is showing this kind of form because he says, you know, he knew this is what he was capable of. But let's talk a wee bit about Jota because that was uh, an unbelievable finish, Natasha. Superb. But I, I did think he looked like he was in the mood. There was a passage he played in that first half where Hatati back heels it um, and Jota eventually takes a shot. And I was thinking to myself, at half time, there was a bit of tension, I've got to say, in the comments. A lot of people were saying this isn't good enough. I thought the performance itself, yeah, we weren't clinical enough, but I just thought, looking at that performance, don't change anything. We're going to get the goal, you know? And I think Jota was a big part of that, Natasha. That's exactly what I touched on at the start of the show, is that, you know, in the stand, in the stadium, you felt like it was coming. So, yeah, the performance, maybe there's some things that weren't quite clicking. The only thing that wasn't clicking, really, was the fact that the ball wasn't going in the back of the net. It was working, it was going well and there was a real sense of okay let's just stick at this and the goal is going to come and it did um, and yeah for me Jota had one of his best games in a while actually I thought he was very very good last night what really stood out and I think this is something important for a player like Jota is that he really seemed to be enjoying it he really seemed to be enjoying the game, he was enjoying his football and I think that helped get his confidence up if he takes someone on and it works, that's going to give him confidence for the next time. He's going to start enjoying that and it just becomes fun for him. And when he's playing in that mood and on that form, it's just a joy to watch. And I really thought that was the the case last night and it was topped off by a, a goal of that quality. No idea how he got it in from there. All credit to the cross, which to be fair, Jota absolutely gave on, on the night as well by making sure that that was recognised. But yeah, another fantastic performance from Jota and another good headache for Ange and that he's just got more players capable in that position of making themselves undroppable but the player coming in behind them is of incredible quality so yeah in, in those sort of wide positions we are absolutely spoiled at the moment and it's great to watch. Yeah there's no doubt about that and I was saying during the week there that if Bernabe plays then Maeda's got to play in front of him but if you get Taylor back you can bring Jota back because that's maybe one bit of his game that, that's not great is the defensive element of it, whereas Maeda, I think, is brilliant defensively. Donald Matheson, as Anne says, he's not familiar with the dressing room as that's Callum's domain, incredible player, captain, and yes, lucky man uh, to have him. Lucky indeed, I, that's what Anne said. A wee dig there at um, his counterpart. At Ibrox, Ange reckons he's a lucky man, but, you know, when I see Ange... Nothing gets past them, Colin. You attended a press conference last week, right? And obviously you were well prepared for it. And, and you know, the questions that you gave um, were, there was a point to them. It wasn't just the usual fear. Um, Ange Postacoglu in a press conference, there's nothing gets past them, absolutely nothing. And what I like about him is that he's uh, level-headed. He doesn't lose his rag. 
He always gets his point across. But it's it's also interesting that he is very ruthless. You can see that with his transfer dealings. Um, and ruthless, ruthless enough to say, well, Michael Beale said something. And if it takes me one or two weeks, I'll definitely respond to that. But, you know, he's so balanced. And I think he showed that again last night after the game. Yeah, I can't remember who it was uh, on Twitter. but um, So I can't give them credit. But I saw through the week um, someone posted an Ange Mayometer. And basically, it's like um, the, the scale started with like club media, fan media, foreign media, and then it eventually got down and Scottish media was at the bottom. So, you know, the when he's saying, mate, how exactly um, he's yeah. addressing you. Um, but this whole idea of Ange being flustered and Ange, he's playing up to this. He's absolutely playing up to it. Yeah. And you can tell he's loving every minute of it as well. I mean, if you've seen Ange when he's not here, uh, when he sorry when he wasn't here when he was in Australia when he was in Japan and stuff like that, he knows how to handle the press. Mm-hmm. This is not something that he gets himself involved in twenty four seven. This is his job. He comes in, does his job, and as he said last year, he saves time for his family. He saves time for his other uh, things that he likes to do. Maybe going out for for the dinner and stuff like that, but when he switched on, he switched on and he can switch off from it as well. Listening to some other uh, some other managers in Scotland, it's almost as if they're obsessed with yep. him. Uh, the way yep. that they can't go through a single press conference without mentioning him or mentioning his budget or mentioning um, the, the sort of work that he's done. They're the ones that are flustered. That is not Ange. Ange is cool, calm, composed. You've never seen him lose the rag. And he, I'd imagine he will have done it several times in, during a, um, a team talk. I don't know if you've ever seen the, the one that he gave when he was an Australian manager. Um, but that's the kind of Ange we, we don't see because it's not in the public eye. But when he's in front of the, the press, he's just cool, calm and collected. You see it in other interviews that he's done. He doesn't get annoyed. No. No, he doesn't let it show, Colin. And I think no. that you're absolutely right. You know, does he give Michael Beale a second thought? Probably not, day to day. But obviously, Ange is on his mind constantly. And what I like also, Natasha, this season is we've seen a ruthlessness. And I think it started at the beginning of the campaign where we allowed Beaton and Rogic to go. There could have been a bit of sentimentality with previous managers. No way, Ange, he moves them on. Jens, He's a player he's brought in himself. He'll move him on as well. Yakimakis and Juranovic. And I like that ruthlessness. I think if you want to be a top club, you've got to have that streak in you. I do too. Um, and it reminds me of a, a story he told. I can't remember if it was on, in his book, perhaps, or or in an interview, where one of his very first managerial roles that he took on, um, one of his best friends was playing in the team. And he decided that one of the first things he was going to do when he took over here was to tell this very close friend of his that he should probably leave and retire um, because he wasn't going to be um, a part of his setup going forward. Um, and he said, you know, he, he told them that and the, the person wasn't happy with him and the, their friendship was maybe affected for however long, but that was his character. Um, there's no emotion, there's no sentimentality. I'm sure, you know, he can save that for his family, but in terms of doing his job, that's so far detached. He's not going to get involved on a personal level or an emotional level. He's here to run this football club and manage this football club to the absolutely best of his ability. And that's what he's doing. And that is what he is doing so, so successfully, partly because 
he is remaining detached from the things at an, an emotional level. It must be so frustrating for all these other people, if it's the media or other managers, because I feel there's a certain goading of them, you know, the feeling that this is going to crack, this what they think is a superficial exterior. If they keep going at it, if they keep chipping at it, it will crack and they will get him. But it won't because it's not a superficial exterior. It is just Ange as a person. And it only becomes more and more frustrating for the people who are trying to chip away at him that he will not react. No, not in the way that they want him to. They won't get him. He's um, a, a much better character than that um, and a, a privilege to have as our, our manager, both on and off the pitch, because he's just doing such a very, very good job. I think, it, Paul, the difference you see is, as I was saying there, the difference between someone who takes this on as a job and someone who feels as if he's got to buy into the mindset of um, what the fans want him to be. And that's the difference, I think, between the two managers here. The one is Ange comes in, knows what he has to do. As you say, he's ruthless. He'll go in there. If someone's wanting to go, he's not going to be sentimental. He'll not hold on to them. If they don't want to be there, they're gone. Um, He makes the decisions based on what he thinks is the best for the club. Um, And at the end of the day, he will go home knowing that he's done his work for the day. Whereas others seem to just buy into this whole it's a lifestyle and wearing suits and brown brogues and everything's got to change because this is the way that a team should be. Look, I'd rather see that on the park than off the park. I don't care if Ange wears a tracksuit, if he wears a jumper, whatever he wears. As long as we're putting a team out in the park that play the way that Celtic should play, then everything off the park is for the rest of the people that get paid all that money to deal with it. Celtic have got plenty of off-field staff that can be responsible for hospital visits and being caring in the community and all, all this other stuff. I'd rather Ange focuses on getting a team that's successful in the park and the rest of it will come naturally. He does rock that jumper though, Colin, you've got to... He admit. does, he does. Um, Rhino Hattati, I'm glad that you're able to join us live. Howdy to you also. Uh, D-Raf, um, who we know well, I feel like Cal Mack has had a quieter season compared to last year when he pulled and pushed the team to win the league. I think others around him are stepping up. It shows you the influence as well. Um, if others are coming up to his level and it gives him an easier task. Uh, David Fraser McGregor taking over from Brown and continuing the legacy of great servants over a period of time is reminiscent of what we used to have with McNeil, McGrain, and Aiken McStay. Back in those days, and I've got to explain this because you two are too young, um, you kind of knew who the next captain was going to be. That's the way Celtic had a conveyor belt of players that had been at the club for a certain period of time and you could have you could have named McStay before he was named the captain. You just knew that Aiken was going to be the captain after Mc, uh, McGrain. Um, and it was almost like a, just a, a known thing, but I think we lost that a wee bit when McGregor was named the captain. Hopefully we will find his successor as well. You're talking about the community side of the club, Colin, and uh, today is the first day of the Paradise Pit Stop. I've got to give this a shout out. This is a great initiative where people... Um, who are struggling, are able to socialise, they get a warm meal, they get a cold or a warm drink. Um, that launches today. And I think when you hear that kind of initiative, Natasha, it makes you proud to be a Celtic fan. Of course it does. Um, it's fantastic that there is that giving back to the community. We'll put aside the fact that it's an absolute travesty that it's fallen to, to certain institutions to, to pick up where the government has failed. That's a whole other topic that could take up more than a podcast in itself. But 
we know what Celtic was formed on. We all know our history and we want that legacy and history to continue in what we're doing today. So a uh, fantastic initiative and one that I'm really proud to see the, the club implementing. It's phenomenal, Colin. I've seen the um, the presser came out last week, the press release came out last week, and you know, you've know you got a big stadium there with loads of facilities, and what the club are doing here is basically saying, and you come, if you need a hot meal, and you can come in with your home, whole family. And also, mm. also, there's a social aspect to that. You're going to be in a nice, warm environment. Um, you're socialising. It could be some of these people might not speak to another person that day or that week than their visit to Celtic Park and it really is remembering the roots of the club. But as Natasha says, you know, um, that was in 1887 and all these years later there are still people struggling on the breadline in poverty and Celtic um, are helping, which is fantastic, but we shouldn't be in that position, Colin. No. I mean, it's um, it's great to see Celtic starting this initiative. I remember back when we were talking about the sort of connection between the club and the fan base, one of my biggest gripes over the sort of COVID season was the lack of communication from the club, mm-hmm. the lack of um, support that was offered because Celtic do have these fantastic relationships with the foundation. They have them with mental health charities. They have them with everything else. Um, and we saw other teams do it. We saw teams like Motherwell phoning up their season ticket holders to see how they were. If they that only took them five minutes, don't it? Yeah, well, that's true. I understand that. But um, now that we're starting to do this, um, it's it's a great initiative to see, as you say. It is a shame that it is coming to things like that. But when you look at the area that Celtic are in, um, it is quite a deprived area of Glasgow. So mm-hmm. I'm sure um, it will be a great boost to the, to the area as well. Um, and again, it's something that we we talk about about the club being going back to its roots and what it was formed for. And it's good to see that we are doing that again. Um, it's been a long time, I think, since we've done it, and long may it continue. And I hope it's something that continues to grow. For sure. And it, as you say, you know, it's not a PR stunt. This is because there's a real need in the community um, to to get them in to the stadium. And obviously, if you want to assist in, in the way that Axom are raising funds, then we do have a link underneath this video where you can um, raise funds for Celtic's birthplace at St Mary's, either by donating or downloading the single that we released in December. And that's all year round. So we'll all, always be raising funds. There's a nice um, suggestion here from Les Paul Style. Celtic should play the verve. Lucky man at games. By the way, uh, just a few Beautiful. weeks ago, the guy who designed the front cover of all of the verve's 1990s hits, including Lucky Man, was at the Celtic game wearing a Celtic Tammy. So there you go. They should have played it the other week and they should continue to play it. Um, I don't want to finish uh, the bulletin today without touching on Celtic women's team because Colin, you, uh, I've got to say, perfectly dealt with the press conference last week. It was very well done. And Natasha, you're always uh, keeping an eye on the developments. First of all, Colin... Um, how was Fran last week? His usual self? Fran's in his usual happy form. Um, one thing that was quite interesting coming away from it was that he took full responsibility for the result against Motherwell, mm-hmm. um, saying that it's a game that shouldn't have been played. But he decided on it being played at that time, even though the men's team were playing, even though the conditions in the pitch were pretty poor. Um, so he takes full responsibility for that. Uh, but he was very proud of the girls and how they came back to win 8 0 against Partick Thistle. Um, and he's always looking into strengthening his team. He believes he's got 
two new players, which should be in before the deadline. Um, so we look forward to seeing who they are. Um, and he was waxing lyrical um, about Amy Gallagher um, and how well she's adapted to her move from Hibs to Celtic this season. Uh, and it's good to see another victory at the weekend, Natasha, another uh, three points, which is a very difficult uh, place to go at Hearts because they're a team who this season have really developed and put a lot mm-hmm. of backing behind it. Um, and I yeah. think there'll be a team in a couple of years' time who'll be challenging the top three. I think Hearts are definitely on the on the right way in terms of what they're doing with their women's team um, and they're really grown this season and that's been evident in the players that they've managed to bring in, the manager they've managed to bring in, really strengthening their ties with the, with the men's club and some of the women in the team now are starting to go professional. So they're not fully professional yet, but it's definitely on that way and they've proven themselves to be a real handful this season. Um, so it was always going to be a tricky tie. Just a couple of weeks ago, they took two points off Rangers, um, which had been unheard of so far um, for a team outside the top three, if you like. Um, so it was always going to be a tricky tie. But the girls did win 2-1 yesterday, which is absolutely fantastic. Great result and an equally important result um, in terms of where the league title is going is that Glasgow City and Rangers played each other this weekend. Um, and that finished in a goalless draw, which suits neither of them, but certainly suits... Celtic. So that puts Celtic closer to Glasgow City at the top and gets the advantage over Rangers who are in third at the moment. So the way that the league stands, Celtic are still three points off Glasgow City, but now four points clear of Rangers, who do have a game in hand, um, but it gives us that nice cushion there. Celtic are playing Rangers at the end of February. Um, It's the same weekend as the Cup Final. Um, It's going to be the Friday night, though. Now that game's been changed, which is good. That was something that Fran was pretty adamant was going to happen um, to avoid the clash with the, the men's cup final. So, yeah, it could shape up to be a really good derby weekend. We'd encourage people to get along to the Excelsior on that Friday night to support the women before entering into a cup final weekend. So that'll be a, a pretty important game, that one. The the Glasgow City ties coming up um, at the start of March um, and that'll all be before the split for everyone will then play each other again. But we're in a really good position, um, a really good position in terms of the, the points table, in terms of where we are compared to Glasgow City and Rangers. But having talked to Fran about, a bit about this, looking slightly deeper into it, looking at the stats, Celtic are, are, you know, they're scoring the most goals, creating the most chances, having the most possession of the teams in the top three. So we are playing well um, and in a good position in terms of challenging for the title. So all very positive in the the women's football side at the moment. We look forward to seeing who the the new transfers coming in are. Obviously, Hannah Kerner has joined already, but Fran has been pretty confident that he will get more signings in the door, and especially with the money that we got in for Clarissa Larissi, we should see those signings coming out over the next day or so. Brilliant. And after that Friday night game, anyone who's lucky enough to have a ticket to see Axom live, I look forward to seeing you at Gracie's with uh, Tom Boyd. See if Tom can beat Brian McClure's hardest shot. Colin, I don't know if you picked up on this. Chalky got 33 miles per hour. Joanna from the the audience got 57. Um, I'm surprised Natasha didn't want to come up and have a... I'm not sure what you had on your feet, though, Natasha. I didn't notice, but maybe you did. I'll take it. Get the Doc Martens on. 
and okay. uh, get on that stage because that's what Joanna was wearing. Um, and obviously, Tom Boyd will be looking to beat Chalky at the Axrom Challenge on the stage. If you fancy coming along to the Danny gig, I just got an update there. There's something like 30 tickets available, so it's heading towards a sellout. Uh, the ticket link is underneath the video. It's a great night in Gracie's, uh, great atmosphere, and you'll be able to see some of the Axrom um, crowd for real rather than just on the screen. Um, 750 live on today's bulletin. That's been tremendous today. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. Like the video. Help us out by giving us a thumbs up. Subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. We've got some really good prizes coming up in the next couple of weeks just for the subscribers. Um, and all that's left for me to say is thank you once again, Colin Watt and Natasha Miko, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Message and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.